All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the first installment of Wayne's World of Earth Science. I know, cheesy, it's horrible, but just want to cover some Earth Science topics that might be uh, relevant to the topic of UFOs and the paranormal. And why do we run into so many problems when it comes to understanding real science versus the crazy science that's out there that people are saying that they're doing with paranormal UFO research, and yet they're not. So hopefully this will answer some questions out there as to why there's a great divide between the scientific community and all things metaphysical. Um, we'll just kind of go from there and check it out. So I'm going to keep this very basic on the scientific method, something I would teach my middle school students. If I didn't have a high school class, I would be showing the same type of lesson to them. So let's kind of get started on this. And here we go. So this is very basic. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are going to be like, oh, there's a lot more to it than this. Uh, you got this wrong or that wrong. Yes. But remember, we're thinking about sixth grade level here. Okay. So here we go. The scientific method. So we say there are steps in the scientific method, but honestly, it's more of a things that you should do, but not in any particular order. So a lot of people get caught up in the process of the scientific method. Well, it's more circular than anything, but we'll get into that here in a minute. All right. So one of the things about the scientific method is identifying a problem. You go to grab your cell phone and turn it on and nothing happens. You've now identified a problem. Okay. And by identifying a problem, you're making observations and that's how you identify the problem. It could be using your five senses. It could be something you see, something you touch, something you hear, something you had tasted. Okay any one of your five or even here. So any one of your five senses can be used for observations in science and specifically in a laboratory, unless you're in a food lab, you probably do not want to be putting any kind of chemicals or testing of things in your mouth. Not good. All right. So keep that in mind. Then what you generally do is you form a hypothesis and we'll get into exactly what that is. Then you want to create an experiment to see if you can prove your hypothesis correct or incorrect. You're going to be collecting data that will help you come to a conclusion. And then hopefully you have other people do the test or retest or do the experiment again uh, without your bias involved. And, you know, you get good data that way. So, that's basically the quote unquote steps of the scientific method. Let's go on. So observations. So basically, like I said earlier, they're gathered through your senses, sight, touch, taste, feel, and hearing. And usually a scientist and everybody's a scientist because you always run into problems and you have to solve them. And there's usually a methodical way that you do it, whether you're conscious of it or not. 
but a scientist notices something in their natural world okay so we're talking about our natural world scientists are specifically looking for things why is there a volcano uh what do they notice why is there these strange smells coming from a volcano things like that so here they say an example of an observation might be noticing that many salamanders near a pond have curved not straight tails so there is an observation of a possible problem so let's dig in now to each individual step and let's see what's going on here and what these things are so a hypothesis very simply broken down to the lowest level is a hypothesis is a suggested solution to the problem here's the key that will get everybody in the paranormal and ufo fields in trouble with standard quote-unquote scientists it must be testable and for something to be testable that means it's got to be repeatable and you got to be able to collect data on it and this is where we run into issues and then sometimes the hypothesis is written as an if-then statement okay if my cell phone is not turning on then if i plug it in it should turn on okay and as you just heard me say, it predicts an outcome. Let's go on. So another hypothesis is, uh, would be something like this. Uh, salamanders have curved tails due to a pollutant in the moist soil where they live. All right, so it makes a prediction. All right, and it's not an if-then statement. It's a, it doesn't have to be if that's the simplest form. But you can see here that the salamanders having a curved tail due, due to a pollutant in the moist soil. So that would be a possible solution to their problem of a curved tail. So what is an experiment? Simple. It's a procedure to test your hypothesis to see if you are on the right track and no they don't always work out and it's very important that you're honest with your testing and your experiments so in an experiment you have something called a variable and we generally say it's a factor in the experiment that is being tested okay so there's something going on that you are specifically testing to see what happens so it says here, a good or valid experiment will only have one variable. And that is very important to understand because having one variable, you only wanna change one thing at a time and then see what the results are. Okay, you if you gave somebody five different medications for something and they got better you don't know which five medications or maybe it was four or three or two or one medication that helped them get better so you want to be able to do things one at a time now with a human and dealing with an emergency situation that's probably different but you understand how we do this so we also have controls and variables so we're going to get into this just a little bit 
So an experimenter changes one factor or one variable and observes or measures what happens. That's the thing. And this is where UFOs and paranormal can run into some problems when they're doing their field work. Because you can't make a prediction. And it's very difficult to be able to um, have these things appear when you want them to appear and then do an experiment on them. Okay. And by experiment, we need to do things to them and observe or measure what happens. Okay. So what is the control? Everybody that's probably going to watch this is going to know what a control variable is or a control um, uh, factor. So this is where the experiment, the experimenter makes a special effort to keep other factors or variables constant so that they will not affect the outcome okay so again you just want to change that one variable so if i have a hypothesis that says if plants don't get sunlight then they will die what am i going to do i'm going to just change the amount of sunlight to zero that a plant gets and then watch and see what happens. Now, I would have one plant that's getting sunlight normally. That would be the control. I would feed it, give it sunlight, etc. But the one I'm experimenting on, I would change just one thing about it and then compare it. So those factors or variables are called the control variables. So we don't mess with it. Anything that's a control, you don't change at all. You leave it alone. So what is the purpose of the control? They are not being tested, but they're mainly used for comparison. Okay. So after 10 days, one plant is the control. It's being taken care of normally, getting the normal sunlight, the normal food and water. And the plant that's not getting sunlight, because we said that if we stop the sunlight, the plant would die, but we're still giving it water. We're still giving it food. We just cut out the sunlight and then we would compare the two. So other variables. So this episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but I will give you hopefully a decent explanation that will help keep things uh, straight in your head when it comes to understanding this. And that is these two variables. So the factor that is changed is known as the independent variable. Okay. The one that you change is the independent variable. The factor that is measured or observed is called the dependent variable. And one way to keep these things straight, and usually with my students, I explain it like this. Your parents are independent. In other words, they're doing their own thing, okay? But you are dependent on your parents. So if your parents won the lottery and won like $2 million and we changed their income and we look at them as an independent variable and we give them all of this money or they win all of this money, then you as a dependent would have a totally different life from that point forward. You would be changing. All right. In the looking at the, the sun example with the plant, the independent variable, the factor that we changed was the amount of sunlight getting to the plant. The dependent variable, what we're going to measure may be what happens to the plant in its mass. It may be, uh, how tall it got, or it may be all of those things. We're going to measure as much as we can on what changed. Now, how do you do that with UFOs and the paranormal, ghost and things like that? That's very difficult, if impossible, to do. And so, again, this is where people with the the boxes you know the voice boxes that can pick up signals and stuff like that that's not a scientific test okay it is not an experiment you're not doing anything you're not changing anything in that environment all right so this is where you have issues so controls, uh, examples of controls and variables. So it says here, suppose you want to figure out the fastest route to walk home from school. You will try several different routes and time. Notice how it's in blue there. Time, how long it takes you to get home by each one. Since you are only interested in finding a route that is the fastest for you, you will do the walking yourself. Okay, so that's this is the problem. All right. So we've identified the problem. So now we're going to run an experiment. So what are the, the variables in your experiment? Well, changing the route is the independent variable. That's what we're going to change. And if you haven't guessed it yet, the amount of time it takes to get home is the dependent variable. We're measuring time in this regard. So keeping the same walker throughout makes the walker a controlled variable. You doing the walking is not, we're not changing anything about you. We're not having you do it and then your friend do it. It's always you. So you as the walker is the control variable. 
So one more thing, it is best to make several trials with each independent variable. Yes. Yeah, so if I have one plant uh, as a control, I might have six or seven plants there where I'm going to cut off the sunlight and constantly do this a few times over and over. Valid experiments. So what makes a valid experiment? All right. You got to have two groups. They are required. You have to have a control and you have to have experimental groups. You have to have both. And again, in the research of UFOs and in uh, uh, the paranormal, you just, you don't get that. Even, and this is very basic. I mean, we're keeping this middle school level, okay? So I know there's probably things and people will wanna argue, but I'm just telling you at the basic level where science will come from when you talk about you're in a paranormal group and you are doing everything scientifically, you can't. All right. And then it says there should be only one variable. You got to have that ghost show up every single time. And then maybe that's the experiment. Is there something you see now? This is how you could formulate an experiment. Is there something you do at the location where you're doing your ghost hunting? that makes the ghost appear every time. That could be a good experiment. Not voices crackling through static or things like that. That doesn't count. What are you doing to bring that ghost forward or spirit or whatever it is? Data. Now this is huge in the scientific community. You have to have data, not just a cool story, bro. Okay, you gotta have data. So the data is the results of the experiment. So you usually have a couple types of data. You have quantitative, which means numbers. You measured the mass of something. You measured how much the plant grew, uh, how many leaves it lost, uh, whatever. Okay. In our walking example, that's time. Okay. Or you would have qualitative data, which means it's a description, something physically on a descriptive level changed. It's color changed. It's, uh, hair color changed, it's fur fell out, it's leaves fell off, you know, those kind of descriptive things that happen. That's all data. And it is very important that your data must be organized. I don't know if any of you have ever looked at a scientific paper that's been written about things. It is, they're all pretty much formatted the same. You have a summary, you have a conclusion, and you have all the data is usually listed and it tells you everything that they did. And there's a reason for that. And I'll show you here in a second. So it's gotta be organized and it usually is organized into charts, tables, or graphs, or some combination or all of the above. Okay, you could have a table showing time and things changing over time, like time over temperature, things like that. Now you would have to then come to a conclusion at the end of your, your experiment after you've analyzed your data and you want to see the answer to the hypothesis is based on the data obtained from the experiment, not what you want the experiment to say or how you wanted the experiment to come out. How did it just strictly by the numbers did that experiment come out? What happened? Did it support your hypothesis 
or did it not? If it didn't support your hypothesis, then you have to basically throw out the hypothesis and rewrite it. Now, you might think, well, that's a failure. A lot of things have been discovered during experiments because of failures, okay? A very famous one in, you know, I don't usually talk about this with students, so, you know, this is, we, this is a little different though, but Viagra was initially created to be a pill that would make you, you know, look like you were out in the sun and you had a suntan. That was a failure. However, it had a side effect. And you can kind of go from there. All right. So you have to go strictly by the data that is obtained from the experiment. And there's all kinds of ethics and things like that that are wrapped up in this because there are companies out there that may want to push a certain drug or whatever and not use the data or fudge the numbers, change the data so that it looks like it does what it's supposed to. Defense contractors will do this sometimes and say that the aircraft or the missiles or the bombs will do this or that or this type of protective device will protect somebody and they fail because they fudge the numbers so they could get the contract. So it does happen. And then this is a big thing, the retest. In order to verify the results, experiments must be retested. And what's not listed here is that they should be retested. Your experiment needs to be completely wrote down all the steps you took, and you need to give that to somebody else to try to retest on top of you doing it and seeing if the same results happen. That is huge. It has to be huge. One like ghost hunter group coming into a place to do quote unquote experiments. Okay. You need to have another group come in and try the same thing and see if they can verify your results. Okay. So again, this is where the paranormal community and the UFO community just fall out of alignment with general science. All right. So quickly we review, we want to solve a problem. So we need to identify a problem. Usually we find it we run into it and we state observations about the problem. So you just immediately start taking notes. A lot of things in our normal life, we do that just second nature. We don't even think about it, but in science, you can see why it's important because everything needs to be repeatable. You want to form a hypothesis about the problem. And again, that the hypothesis is a possible solution. And if then statement, the big one, number four, is designing an experiment to test the hypothesis. You've got to be as specific as possible. You have to break everything down so it can be repeated. And see if we can get some kind of data that is similar. You want to collect the data and analyze it. You want to form a conclusion. And then there's your retest. That's where yourself and other people from other parts of the world take your scientific papers, what you wrote out, and test it and see if they get the same kind of results. All right. That's basically everything in a nutshell when it comes to the scientific method. And that doesn't matter what discipline of science, whether it's earth science, astronomy, chemistry, whatever the case may be. 
it's generally that is the scientific method for doing things scientifically. Now, once again, you can probably see where there's the great divide between the scientific community, like, you know, your Neil deGrasse Tyson's and Bill Nye's of the world versus, you know, ghost hunters. Okay. UFO researchers. You don't have the data. You don't have it set up. You have a story. You have something that's happened. And that's all you generally get from it. Um, some people try to collect temperature changes and things like that. But again, that's just a, an effect of the environment. What did you do to change something to cause that effect? And that's where you're going to run into the problem. So if we can get a good understanding of that, we can be careful about when we're saying, well, we're researching, we're doing stuff scientifically in the field. Hmm. You may not be doing things scientifically in the field. All right. So hopefully that answers a lot of questions. And if you do have any questions, Make sure you ask them down in the comments and I will try to get to them as fast as I can. I'd be happy to help you out in any way with this stuff. Um, don't forget, if you like the video, make sure you hit that like, hit that subscribe. And thanks everybody for watching. And I hope you got something out of this. Lesson two will hopefully be up in a couple days and we'll see where we go. I think I'm going to show you guys how to read a map, like a real map, different types of maps. So we'll see. It's kind of a lost art now. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.